Welcome to the latest episode of the Informing Choices Minipod. Population aging is a well-established global trend. Back in 2015, it was estimated there were 901 million people aged 60 years and over worldwide. That's 12.3% of the global population. By 2030, it's predicted that this will have increased to 1.4 billion and 2.1 billion, 21.3% of the global population by 2050. As the population ages, the ratio of non-workers to workers increases. For example, in the early 2000s in the UK, there were approximately four working age individuals for every person aged 65 and over. And by 2056, this ratio is predicted to fall to about two to one. So what are the financial lifestyle and health implications for retirement in a post-COVID world? And what impact has the pandemic had? Michael Nushki is a retirement futurist, writer, speaker, and a contributor to the Fast Future book, Aftershocks and Opportunities 2. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about you and your work. Thanks, Steve. I'm uh, happy to uh, be part of this podcast. I call myself a retirement futurist because I spent about 30 years in the financial advisory, investment, and retirement planning uh, industry. But it's actually, if you think about it, somebody who's a retirement planner or even an investment planner is really a, a futurist because they're always looking at helping people you know, in the future. Now, in the past, you know, in a, in a period of retirement, usually that was maybe 20 years. Not much happened in 20 years. Now, a lot is happening. Uh, and therefore, I, I've, I've been saying that retirement planners or financial advisors are really closet futurists. And uh, I've decided to come out of the closet and call myself a, 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 a retirement futurist. That, that's, that's really nice. I love the idea of uh, you know, thinking about retirement thinking about investment as well as needing some kind of foresight. And uh, I think that that's absolutely right. We've known for some time that there, there has been a retirement savings shortfall. We've been lots, so much written and spoken about that. But how has the pandemic affected this situation, do you think? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's fairly complex, the actual impacts. Uh, you know, we, you're quite right. There was already a kind of mismatch between people's expectations in retirement in terms of what they could spend and what they were actually saving, what they had saved. <clears throat> and I, I would say the pandemic has, in some cases, made that worse. And in some cases, didn't really affect it or even made it better. And, and it turns out that people that are sort of lower income uh, or special you know, groups suffered more during the pandemic and therefore they had to draw on savings and their situation has worsened. Whereas people that were say professionals or higher income individuals actually used some of the government stimulus to actually save more money, uh, kept their jobs. And so we've, we've seen this kind of continuing divergence between the have and have nots you might see. And I think the pandemic has actually made that worse but in, in some cases, but actually didn't have much impact for a large part of the population as well. What's your sense of how the investment community, and, and obviously we all know that a lot of pensions type savings is wrapped up in, invest, in investments in, in corporations. So, so what's your sense yeah. about how that has evolved through the course of the pandemic? Well, that really has to do with kind of what happened economically. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw a very sharp 
economic retraction, you know, uh, recession, like a record fast recession. And then there was this massive government stimulus in the developing countries that kind of turned the economy around. But there was a large uh, amount of unemployment, you know, job loss that happened during that time. And now now things are recovering from that, from all the stimulus that's been uh, provided. And, and with the pandemic receding somewhat, uh, we're seeing kind of the opening. So that's affected, you know, the financial markets. And, uh, you know, financial markets initially had a, a knee-jerk negative drop, but now we're seeing markets rise to new record highs. But at the same time, what really impacts the retirement area is uh, the uncertainty around what's going to happen now. And, uh, and then in addition to that, the super low interest rates that we're seeing, which was partly a response by the governments to kind of, uh, you know, prevent the economy from going into a negative spiral. So these low interest rates obviously makes it very tricky to get any kind of return on your money on bank savings or, or uh, deposits. You know, a good paying uh, savings account might give you a half of 1%, you know, if, the, if you can find that, you know, and, and meanwhile, we're seeing these kind of unusual economic ripples that are having to do with supply disruption. And now a return of inflation in many areas um, means that we have very low interest rates, but also rising inflation, which is not a good combination for people who are trying to accumulate money and also uh, worry about, do I have enough money for the future? Yeah. So the investment markets are really quite, uh, are, pro are providing some real, you know, uncertainty to retirement, you know, investment. Uh, and therefore you have to kind of wonder about uh, how confident people are going to be with their investments going forward. There's also another big thing that you alluded to, which is, you know, there's uh, fewer people contributing to pension plans. Now, not everybody belongs to a, a corporate pension plan, but most of us belong to the government or expecting some kind of a government uh, retirement pension. But also when you look at those governments amassing these huge debts, I mean, beyond, you know, beyond anything we've ever seen before, you have to wonder about the sustainability of their their promises to pay those pensions and uh, now you know it's it's still an open question as to whether we have to worry about cuts uh in those kind of pensions but it doesn't leave the average retiree or somebody approaching retirement very comfortable with that set of circumstances you, you preempted the question that i was going to pose which were, which was exactly about the debt mounting that that seems to be getting bigger and bigger and has certainly been uh, uh, been accelerated through the pandemic so uh, um, that was great foresight um so yeah. so so the, so the second question is about um, well financial independence and good health and both those are arguably the two critical requirements for what many people would imagine is going to be a happy retirement how might both of these evolve do you think post-pandemic well um you know financial independence uh, or retirement, you might say, is either having enough money to where work is optional, you could say, or, or that you have a pension that's going to cover your retirement expenses. And, uh, you know, the, again, these super low interest rates uh, and the uncertainty in the investment markets are going to cause some, you know, uncertainty about people's ability to actually have enough money uh, during their life. Uh, and again, these debts increase the odds, these government debts increase the odds of a se severe uh, disruption, say, in stock markets. I mean, the, uh, we're kind of in uncharted 
territory. And nevertheless, typically, this kind of rise in huge government debts will, will actually mean a real drag on future economic growth. But at the same time, we're also seeing this incredible these incredible advances in uh, innovation and technology, which uh, have a uncertain you know impact on the future, but could actually you know provide a good you know uh, offset to the uncertainties around the huge government debt. So it's um, you know we're kind of in a situation where we'll have to see you know the financial independence. Uh, is still obviously possible for people, but we have these economic headwinds and uncertainties that make make it a little bit, you know, if people are, are able to keep working as an example, they probably will because of the uncertainties they're looking at. Uh, at, at the same time, it doesn't mean it's impossible. And I think that th there could be some dramatic uh, potential investment returns coming out of this, uh, the world of innovation uh, which will, which we've already been seeing, but I think we're just getting going with that. So, so uh, financial independence uh, is is uh, an objective for most people, but it may be something that you have to kind of keep plugging at, as opposed to getting there all at once. I mean, I, I, I guess the the idea of um, uh, perhaps working until we're older or increasing jobs being driven by new technology was really illustrated recently with the reported additional 10,000 jobs that Facebook's creating across Europe um, to play a bigger role in the metaverse. So is that an example that, that you think could be replicated across other new technology areas as well? Yes. I mean, if you recall some years ago, there was this prediction out of Oxford that the uh, think that something like 40 odd percent of jobs <laughs> would be lost to automation AI. Uh, but in fact, you know, we are seeing that technology innovation can create huge amounts of jobs, but yeah. they're different jobs. So your average truck driver who might get replaced with, uh, you know, with an automated, you know, a truck, <laughs> uh, driverless truck, uh, how, how is that person going to re-educate themselves into, a, you know, a, a technological uh, job? So it, it's tricky. You know, right now we're seeing uh, actual job uh, losses in, especially in the retail and hospitality areas, uh, uh, and, uh, and and there's 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 more uh, in the United States, for, as an example, there are more jobs being uh, looked for offered than there are people that are unemployed. So it's uh, there's this big uh, kind of switch that some people are saying that we're we're seeing a a, a period where people are wanting to switch careers into something that's more sustainable and, and, uh, and different uh, going forward. So we're in, we're in quite a transition, and this was stimulated by, by the pandemic. But I do believe that you know, new job creation is also part of the uh, formula, like you're saying, and we'll continue to see more and more of that for sure. Does the, the, the different stakeholders, the different players involved in retirement planning and um, the evolution of what we think about retirement actually means, does the whole sector need to be more agile going forward? Because one of the things that it particularly strikes me is the more uncertainty we see, the better we seem we need to be at changing direction suddenly. And retirement and retirement planning is something that seems historically to be unable to do that. You know, it's kind of one plan for the longer term future. So how does retirement retirement planning and the ability for us to live through retirement become more agile, do you think? 
Yeah, well, I think it needs to be, but I'm not sure that it, it's going to happen. <laughs> Just because people, people are, are very hard to change their habitual ways of looking at things. Yeah. I alluded before to this mismatch between people's expectations in, in retirement and actually what they're doing, you know, their behavior, their savings behaviors. And in fact, I've, I've been following a number of polls that just came out in the last couple of months that are suggesting this has just continued in the same trend. In other words, people continue to actually expect that they'll be okay in retirement, whereas their savings behavior uh, doesn't, doesn't appear to actually support that <laughs> at all. So, so there's this, this peculiar mismatch, which existed before the pandemic, but if anything has gotten uh, even more skewed with the pandemic. So I, I'm not so sure it's easy to change. And there, therefore, it may have to be driven by uh, government policy. You know, we're talking about changing individual behavior, whether the pandemic was enough to do that for individual decision-making, I'm not so sure. However, other players, like you were saying, uh, see the opportunity. And, and we can talk about that, if you like, in the future, in the you know, longer future, you know, things like what could happen in the world of, uh, of uh, health, you know, and uh, life extension. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that does kind of play nicely into, into the last question, which uh, was how the notion of retirement might change across the longer term future. And I guess part of that may well be about life extension and living healthier, longer lives. I mean, we've kind of got used, I think, as a society to keeping people alive for longer. The next stage, I guess, is keeping them healthy and alive for longer yeah. so they can remain economically active, isn't it? That's, that's, that's true. You're, you know, people often think about life extension as just have a, having a longer period of time at the end of life being frail and, and in bad health. But really, the, uh, one of the offshoots of the pandemic is the huge investment that we're seeing in biotechnology and, and other you know, uh, technologies that support the notion that we, we are able to uh, change human, human lifespans or health spans. And, and I think if you think about it, there's also this notion of the longevity dividend. And that has to do with the longer people that can stay healthy and not draw upon the medical system, which is hugely expensive, uh, the better it is for everybody, both the individual and the economy. Hmm. And therefore, and now we're seeing the science is accelerating, has been accelerating, I think was pushed further in the pandemic, that you're now seeing major corporations like Google and Amazon, like Jeff Bezos just put some money into a uh, life extension uh, biotech uh, company and Apple doing all kinds of things in the, in the world of health monitoring and, uh, and health, healthy uh, uh, habits. Uh, so I, I think that uh, there's this, you might say there's uh, the profit motive is still alive and well, and that these large companies see that the technology is at a point where they can actually now invest money and maybe get a huge return in terms of helping people live longer and healthier, uh, healthier being the key thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was only, uh, I'd say only in the last few years where, that we've seen that potential really start to look uh, like it could happen in the next 10 to 15 years. And, I, and now you can see that big money is coming in because they can smell the profit because if you think about it, everybody is a customer. <laughs> so uh, a potential yeah. customer. And, and therefore, uh, I think the pandemic has really accelerated this uh, trend towards investment and innovation in the world of 
healthy uh, life extension. And, if, and the impact to retirement there is just massive because if you're gonna live till 100 plus, maybe 120 plus, uh, you can't really consider retirement at age 65 to be a real, realistic idea, especially if you're alive and well and feeling well and thinking your mind is good. Uh, why would you? So I really think the the impact or the the implications here are the whole the old idea of uh, being educated and having a career and then retirement uh, has to be turned on its ear, and and that we might have multiple uh, uh, you know periods of education work, retirement, and, and repeat that. In other words, multiple mini retirements and go back to retrain to do something different. So, and, you know, AI, I think will help with that. Uh, and I, so I think it's a really exciting times looking ahead over the next uh, 10 to 20 years as to how this could actually be a life-changing situation and really uh, cause the whole notion of retirement to be uh, thought again, you know, what does that really mean, retirement? Um, that sounds to me like a really optimist, optimistic note um, uh, on, on which to end the podcast. I love, love the idea of uh, kind of constant renewal and constant renewal as a way to um, stop retirement to allowing me to continue to grow, particularly um, uh, as that retirement point is, some might argue, getting a little bit closer than I would ideally like. <laughs> right. Michael, yeah. that's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Um, how can people get hold of you, find out um, things about what you do? You know, where can they get hold of you? Sure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, uh, Steve. Uh, my blog is called uh, www.retirementsingularity.com, uh, as well as facebook.com slash retirementsingularity. So those, those two places where I'm sharing some ideas and sharing some uh, insights in terms of how, the impact of uh, life extension, as well as technological innovation, uh, how that impacts retirement in the future. And I invite anybody to come there and, and check that out. Um, uh, absolutely wonderful. I shall certainly be checking that out. It's a, it's, it's a topic that uh, I, I think is often not considered as often as it should be. So, Michael, mm. once again, thank you so much for your time. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Do let your friends and colleagues know about the Informing Choices Minipod and there'll be another episode along very soon.